0: Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multi-millionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is one 888 844-GROW. That's one 844 4769 Long distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello everyone, thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by the barefoot millionaire Jude Mendonca. Jude is a serial investor holding both commercial and residential real estate, as well as owning a portfolio of companies ranging from electronic parts suppliers to nutrition supplements. He also helps people scale and balance their business, personal life, and health. I've asked him to join us here today to talk about his easy to follow guide on how to create and scale freedom in our finances, family, and life. So, Jude, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing awesome, Daryl. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Yeah, it's an honor and pleasure to have you here. So now, before we get into this, and before we talk about what you've been able to really accomplish, uh, how did you even get into this? Like, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs?
1: How did you get involved in business to start? Oh, man. So, in a way, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My dad was a drug dealer. (laughs) So he he was very entrepreneurial in his own right, made money, you know. um, Yeah, (laughs) did fairly well until the feds got involved a couple of times. But I kind of, through my church that I grew up near, I went to a private school that my grandma and my parents ended up leaving me. My dad had to go on the run when I was about 11 years old due to his career profession. So my grandma had me in a private school, and there were some kids in there that, You know, they just had way better parents, parents that would make them read like rich dad, poor dad, things like that. When you'd hang out with them, their idea of fun was, hey, let's figure out how to make $20. So I kind of went a very bad path in life, kind of the same route my dad did. And I remember at about 20, 21 years old, when I started cleaning up and figuring out my life, just looking at some of those church friends and seeing the direction they were in. You know, they were the same age, but they owned houses, had nice trucks, owned their own business. And that got me really kind of looking like, oh, you know, maybe I should do something like that. Maybe I should become an entrepreneur. So Mm -hmm. it was more just seeing good examples around me and realizing the difference in choices and where it was taking, you know, them compared to the choices I was making.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. So how did you get started in business? What was kind of one of your first businesses?
1: So my first business, technically, me and a buddy had a lawn mowing company in high school that we did just for a little while, and we both agreed after a couple of months that it was not for us and shut it down. So once I was about, let's see, twenty twenty five, I was working in the medical field, working at the hospital, and they had passed the law for medical marijuana in our state a couple of years before that. Well. Some of the people there, because it was starting to really blow up, people were opening stores everywhere, and a lot of people knew my background, so I was in the ER one night, and a couple people were holding the newspaper, reading articles on it. They were like, hey, Jude, you should open a marijuana shop, ha, 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 and I kind of laughed back, you know, and I was like, yeah, you know, I wish, whatever, because I just didn't think anything about actually being able to open a business at that point in my life. Well one of the ER doctors pulled me aside quietly when no one was looking and he was like, Jude, if you have the ability to do that, you should do that. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I know you got the connections and stuff. I know you understand the product, like it's ground floor. This is the time to get in and make the money and make it happen. So that was kind of pushed towards the the idea to go start my first business and what business to start. As for, you know, how did we do it? Because I just got married. My dad for the third time in his life had gotten in trouble with the feds and went on the run. He left my teenage sister with me. So she's 11 years younger than me. So she was 14 at the time. So just got married, was taking care of her and, you know, had to figure out how to start this business. I was only making about $14 an hour at the time. So we sold my car and used that money to get things rolling. And then I brought on some friends as partners and they borrowed money where they could, and you know, we got our first business up and rolling.
0: So your first business was a dispensary?
1: Yes, it was. Yep, first business was a dispensary.
0: Are you still in? Is that one of the businesses in your portfolio right now? or?
1: No, no. So we took everything that we made in that business and kept reinvesting it. I was wanting to be in it for the long term. Wanted to be the biggest company in Montana and was hoping, you know, either we would just be juggernauts or maybe someday when it went legal every day, everywhere, Marble or Camel would come in and buy us out. But we had opened up three stores. We just signed the leases and started opening up our fourth and fifth store in two new warehouses. When they changed the law in Montana, and they actually changed it in a way that me and my partners, because of past feelings we had had in our lives, we could no longer be in the business. Uh, So literally overnight, we had just dumped all of our money back into everything. There was four of us partners. One partner went out to the farms, wiped out all the farms and took off, basically stole everything that we had and all of our money that we did have we had just sunk into lights new leases remodels things like that and we basically lost the business overnight
0: that's why that's why so, it just makes things better to be legal than illegal because when it's un- illegal people do dumb stuff like that you have no recourse but to pull out a gun or go beat them up like what do you, you can't call the cops <laughs> at this time right like what are you supposed right? to do you can't call it like you're trying to run a legitimate business something like that happens And because it's now, right, like, well, I guess it was maybe still, but anyways, I I don't know if I'm making a point here, but it just, that sucks. And it's like the type of people you have to work with, like, you just want to be a decent business owner, run a decent business. It's a business. It's just a different product, you know? And it's just, even for the users, the end users, if you take all these countries, I think it was Sweden was one, Venezuela, well, maybe it was, I don't know if it was Venezuela. Portugal? Maybe it was Portugal. But they've done all these studies. There's all these videos on YouTube about how the drug on war has been a massive failure and caused all these problems. The only Mathis. people that are really winning are the corporations that are renting out prisoners at slave wages. You know, everybody else is
1: losing. 100%.
0: Yeah, so anyways, all right, big yep. tangent. But the government needs to really help <laughs> business, not... Anyways... I just don't like that.
1: Right. I just don't <laughs> like that. I've, I've been affected oh, by Oh regulations. The
0: conversations we could go off just off <laughs> all that right there. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, okay. So so what happened? You lost it all. Then what?
1: Yeah. So uh, basically we lost it all. We took what little bit of product that we did have left, like sitting in the store and everything. We sold it out, paid off what bills and stuff we had, and we each walked away with $7,000. From there, you know, I kind of went through a dark period. I went through a dark period, like, as we were losing everything, and be honest with you, and I'm not, it's not my proudest moment, but I had life insurance and everything, and I would go into the shop super early in the morning before everyone else was there with a bottle of Everclear, and I would think about ending it, because I felt like a failure. I felt like I failed my wife, my two boys at the time. I, you know, we just had our second, and... That was like my one opportunity, and after about a week of just sitting in my own, you know, self pity and wallow, I started remembering like conversations that I had heard from, you know, different entrepreneurs, and I can't think of any particular names at the moment, but just different interviews they'd be on, and where they would talk about having lost it all and then having to rebuild it again, and how it was actually easier easier to rebuild it again because they'd already done it before, the skills, they'd already yeah. proven it to themselves before. Yep. So I dusted myself off and was like, okay, we're going to do this. So I got a hold of another buddy of mine who was very entrepreneurial in his own right, did very well in management industry and restaurants. He actually worked for the Texas Roadhouses for a while and opened up 27 stores across the state. So came to him with an idea to open up some cell phone repair shops, which were just becoming very popular at the time. So I gave the $7,000 to my wife. Went to another friend, borrowed ten grand, and then me and the business partner moved to a town three hours away to open up a cell phone shop where they didn't have it. And we lived in the back of the cell phone shop. We budgeted out five dollars a day to buy rotisserie chicken from the local grocery store and eat that every day. <laughs> and you know, with the leftover money we opened a cell phone store. We grinded it out within our first town opened a second. Back in the town we originally lived in and slowly we turned that into a million dollar business and opened up all the way from Montana out into Washington
0: that's fantastic that's fantastic love that we call that roof and ramen like where you just like rent and (laughs) just like cup of hot noodles like that's it just the two dollar add hot water and you know you you won't be healthy but you won't die (laughs) you know like just roof and ramen so what were some of the biggest challenges in growing that? I mean, that's a fantastic happily ever after ending, but I don't think it was just a piece of, I mean, maybe it was a piece of cake. Did you face any big challenges oh, in scaling the
1: cell phone stores? Oh, tons. I mean, you yourself know, I mean, just being entrepreneurial and being around other entrepreneurs, like you don't go open a business with $10,000 unless it's like a social media agency or something like $10,000, especially in the physical products world, like retail, I mean, for in a lot of states and cities, that's just rent, yep. you know, yep. so we grinded that thing out, I mean, we found this junky little shop that no one had been in forever, I mean, there was you know, water stains on the ceiling and everything like that, we got in there cheap, did all the work ourselves, painted it up, made it look nice. We bought the cheapest phones that we could find. I had some friends who also owned cell phone repair shops. They uh, sold us some stuff that they just had trouble selling. Gave us a good deal on it, but I mean, it was they had trouble selling it, so of course we were going to have trouble selling it too. And we just grinded it out. I mean, yeah, it was tough. Like as I said, I was living in a town three hours away from my wife and my you know two younger kids. That's really hard to do. Me and my partner, we were sleeping in the back of the store. You know you no matter how much you love your friend or a business partner, you know, you get (laughs) get annoyed with each other a little bit, sleeping with each other every day too, you know, just nonstop. And, you know, $5 a day for food. Like it it was tough at the beginning, but we had a goal. You know, we both knew we didn't want, like, I, I've been homeless, been addicted to drugs. And for me, I always look back on that good buddy of mine mentor, Pedgman Gaudini. he calls it, Running from being poor. And I never thought of it that way, but basically that's what I was doing. Like I refused to ever go back. You know, Mm -hmm. I've lived under a bridge in a Montana winter. I never wanted to go back. So just pushing through every day, just doing everything we could, we would wake up in the morning. He would drive around, go visit other businesses, things like that, just talk to them because we didn't have money for advertising. So he was out networking.
0: Mm -hmm. I was in the
1: store working. And then when the store shut down at night, I would hop on with some China contacts I have, figure out products that I could bring over. This was before I knew what drop shipping or anything was. And we had a little eBay store, too, and we would sell things on eBay. Wow. And, you know, we just hustled every day, every day, whatever we could to bring in a couple dollars till we made it work.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And then so where did things go? You built out uh, how many stores did you end up having?
1: So we ended up having three when I sold out. So we ended up getting up to 3 we did broke over a million dollars a year and then I sold out of the company at that point. Okay. And then what? So from there I had opportunity when a person a gentleman from China that we'd been buying phone parts from for quite a while there was opportunity basically me for me to come in and take over partnership with him he had an american partner that ended up going to prison for some mistakes they had made so him and i had built a really good relationship saw opportunity there we discussed partnership and i was able to move in on that and become a partner on a cell phone parts manufacturing company and you know dealing with uh also electronics manufacturing headphones things like that which has been a really really neat endeavor all in itself you know getting to learn a business on an international scale. We do business in Canada, Mexico, America. We have warehouses in Germany and England now. So that's been a total huge blessing, just super awesome learning opportunity.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So if someone's listening to this and they're either starting out or struggling, what would you recommend to them?
1: That are starting out or struggling? Yeah, well, so no, you're going to struggle it's, in the start, so. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, if, you know, if they're, if they're starting out, yeah, they're, they're going to run into some struggling there. But, you know, if they're starting out, the biggest thing is just do, you know, just try. Just start failing. Like, there's so many people that they want to wait till the perfect moment. They want to learn as much as they can. And you can't do that, man. Like, I didn't even finish high school you just have to do you just have to give it your all and be honest be full of integrity and just you know give as much value as you possibly can and it'll work and your first business might not you know it might fail completely but that doesn't matter you know just dust yourself off do it again and push for people that are stuck you know it's the same thing like just get moving just start taking part in something you know if you're stuck in your current business Start looking at the trends, start networking, hire a mentor, things like that. If people are stuck just trying to figure out how to start, you know, again, network out, find somebody who's doing what you want to do or in a place in their life where you want to be and just reach out to them and go, hey, how can I help? How can I serve you just so I can start learning this stuff and get something figured out? But the more you start just doing things, just getting moving, that's what will cause the sparks. That's what will ignite the creativity and make you just go out and get things done. And then the success will start to follow.
0: Yeah, I love that. What I love about that is, you know, you can't really control the outcome. You can't guarantee you're going to make a million dollars. You can't guarantee you're going to get the sale. You can't guarantee that stuff because a lot of it's out of your control. But what you can guarantee is your input So you can't guarantee the output, you can't guarantee the outcome, but you can guarantee the input you're putting into it. And what you're saying is just do, do more. And try to detach yourself from results. Have a goal, but take that goal. If the goal is to make a million dollars, then okay, then maybe what you need is to make a million dollars worth of sales. So that means I need to make a million dollars worth of sales. Okay, well, how am I going to make a sale? And then break that down into something that you can do. Right. And then do it. And do it every day. And just know... You know, like if my goal is to be able to do a thousand push ups, well, I need to wake up every day and do a hundred push ups. I can't guarantee when I'll right. get to a doing a thousand, but every day I'm going to get up to do a hundred. And then when a hundred becomes easy, I'm going to make it 200 every day. You know, and I'm just going to keep doing yep. that and keep hammering it away. And you just have to be in it for the process more than the result, I think.
1: Yep. You know, and that's a huge thing that does get so many people stuck. Like, let's just look at fitness because it's something that's so easy and so many of us all can relate to. You look at the guy or the girl with the perfect body that you want. You know, we, when we start to diet, when we start to work out, we get depressed, down, we feel like failures, whatever, after just a little bit because, you know, you're three weeks in and you don't look like them yet. A lot of people, we we just don't realize, we don't see – the rest of the iceberg the struggle the journey those people went in we don't understand that they were there on sick days that they did this 365 days for three years to get to that point we don't understand that they dieted and everything and get to that point so as you said you got to just fall in love with the process you got to fall in love with the journey as well yeah you want that jet someday you know you want to be like you're at you want to have a jet You have to make $100 first. Mm -hmm. You have to make that first sale first. You have to do that first cold call first and fall in love with it Mm -hmm. and then rinse and repeat and do it again and then start building up. Then do a $200 sale, then a $10,000 sale, then a $100,000 sale. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Yeah, I
0: love it. I love it. I love it. So what do you think was some of the best advice you ever got?
1: Oh, man. See, these are the questions that always throw me off because I need to, like, start prepping just for these sorts of questions because I hear so much great stuff, and it, it, then it all just jumbles up in that brain of mine. Um, best advice. God, fail forward. That's actually, you know, and we just mentioned it a little bit ago, but that is one of the best things that I ever have ever heard. And it's actually the guy who edits my podcast who always hits me with it. So he always reminds me of that statement. But, you know, again, you just got to start doing something. You just got to try. It's like Mm. riding a bike or learning how to walk. You just start failing forward. You know, Mm. you don't just sit there wishing you could walk. You know, as a little kid, you see people walking and you get up and try and you fall. And then you give up and you never walk again. No. You get up, you try again, you continue to fail forward until it works, until you're wobbling, and then you're walking, and then you're running, and then you're sprinting. Mm. Same thing in business, same thing in love, you know, no matter what it is, fail forward. Like, how many times in high school, you know, do we get told by girls, you know, no, I don't want to go out, you know, I don't want to do that, whatever, but... Guys, you know, we continue to fail forward until we do get one of the girls. Well, we don't take that with us after high school for some reason, you know. We need to, men will do anything for a woman, but we won't do anything for our own business or our own, you know, fitness or our own health, anything like that. So we need to take that everywhere and understand, like, hey, getting told no is okay. Mm-hmm. Failing and looking stupid or silly is okay. Fail forward. Just keep trying. Keep going. Keep doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I think there's magic in having a really powerful why, like a really powerful motivator. You know, like adversity makes makes men. Luxury makes monsters. I mean, the Chinese have a saying that you can't keep wealth past Ooh. three generations, because the first one struggles and earns it and builds it. The second one witnessed their parents struggle and they re- respect it and they preserve it. The third one grows up knowing nothing other than luxury and squanders it. And so that's the idea. The Chinese say you can't keep wealth past three generations. Wow. Because of that that loop. That
1: was fire right there. <laughs> that was fire. I had never heard that one. That, yeah. that makes so much sense. You know, we always, especially... Anybody who's followed, like uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Richard Dad Poor Dad, you know, we want to think generationally. Um, I even talk about it in my book because you look at like the Rothschilds and stuff, like they thought generationally. And obviously they've gone way past three generations, mm. but most people, they can't figure out how to do that. As you just said there, like in that proverb, like, yeah, the one does it, the next one got to see it, maybe even got to take part in a bit. So it's there, but that last one, you know, that's you just, when things start to things you. start to go wrong. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I yep. even think
0: you can see that when you look at a lot of, I mean, I'm in Asia. At the time of this recording, I'm in Vietnam. And for me, it's been a big eye-opener spending the last two, three years in Southeast Asia. I mean, I was in Japan, I'm in the Philippines, Vietnam, of Malaysia, Singapore, traveled around a bit. I haven't been, I've been through the airport of Korea and China. But what I'm really learning while I'm over here is just how hungry people are. And the really only thing stopping these people from overtaking what's happening in a lot of the Western world is a language barrier. And pretty soon, people won't need to speak English. They just need to speak Google Translate, you know, and, like, everything else will be fine. Yep. And that's what's been really eye-opening for me because I think what's happening in a lot of – the first world countries it's that almost sense of entitlement and there's so many people that are so hungry for work in the rest of the world you take India and China that's already almost 50% of the world population those are third world country emerging those are emerging markets emerging countries they were third world they're they're not going to be there now and they're building with the most advanced technology like I'm in Singapore also known as Ho Chi Minh City This city was bombed to rubble at the end of the Vietnam War, and they've rebuilt it. And I'm living in this beautiful condo building complex. Everything is fingerprint or motion sensor. I mean, it's all top of the line, all brand new. I'm paying less than half what I would pay for a two-bedroom, two-bath unit in my hometown, small-town Canada. You know, but meanwhile, I've got like Central Park outside. I'm on modern cutting edge facilities. I'm a five to 10 minute drive to downtown, you know. And and again, there's just so many people that are so hungry. I just think that that's kind of where things are going. Like, I just don't. You know, like even Rome, you know, like all these civilizations, all these empires have fallen. In 1820, Britain was a world superpower. In 1920, the United States was a world superpower. We're approaching 2020, and I just don't think it's going to be able to hold. Yep. And I think it's what we're talking about here, that, that cyclical thing, that that feeling a sense of entitlement. and And again, being attached to outcomes versus processes. Like I think the people that will survive yep. the best are the ones that find something they love to do. And just commit themselves to that process. And even if you jump career to career, there will be transferable skills, people skills, right? Learning skills, just even like problem solving skills, project management skills, teamwork, team building skills. These will be the things that are kind of saving graces. And I don't know how AI and automation is going to, you know, replacing jobs. But generally speaking, in today's fast moving world, I really think that that's what. Like, those are the things that you need to develop, like learning how to put deals together, Mm -hmm. learning how to, you know, because there's just so many hungry people. And sorry, I know it's your interview. and I kind of just stood on a soapbox for a bit. But it's just, it's become really real to me to be here. I mean, where we are, we can get a cleaner to come and clean our whole apartment for 10 bucks, you know, and in Canada, I can't even get a cleaner to come clean my house for under like, it's like 60 bucks an hour or something like that. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's. The, right. the, the difference there is massive. And I just think the world's getting really small, really fast. Yep. And so like what you talked about in terms of failing, it's the idea that you can't learn to walk from reading it in a book. You can read the book and learn maybe some tips and tricks to help avoid pitfalls. You know, you, you can get someone to cheer you on yep. and coach you. If you f- walk and fall and bump your head, they'll pick you up and, you know, make you feel better and, and coach you and help you p- prevent from yourself from making that mistake again. But you still got to do the practice. you still got to rep it out. You still have to go through the process. And I think that that's really, really, really important. You know,
1: and I agree with you 100%. The first time that I went over to our corporate office where my partner lives in Shenzhen, China, it it blew my mind. You know, I was expecting this communist third-world country. And, I mean, the communism was there. Like, there was a checkpoint every 10 feet and video cameras everywhere. But they were so advanced. There was a skyscraper that they were building when I came in and when I left, like I swear it went up seven more floors just in a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Like they're just building things so fast. And yeah. as you said, like they don't need to speak English, but I was hanging out and talking with some of our employees there that spoke no English at all. But as you said, they had Google translate and they're dealing with customers online all day long. They can't even read English but they got all the equipment there and they're selling to people in the United States for us all day wow. long, all day long, handling customer service, things like that. And these people, they're all about it and they're giving it their all because they're coming from a place, as you said, like they're the first generation. They're the ones that are seeing the opportunity. Yep. They're wanting to seize it. They're putting in the time, the effort, and they're bleeding for it. Whereas like in America, Canada, Great Britain, places like that, We've had it too good for too long, and you see it in the culture, you see it in everything around us, you see it in the way our government works now and stuff. Like, we've become lazy, not to get super political here, but I mean, in America, our forefathers made things a certain way for a reason, and it's totally going backwards from that because we've become lazy here. You know, we've become a bunch of whiny babies who feel we just deserve everything, and as you said, these other countries. They're going to take over and not necessarily like in a militaristic point of view, but in a financial, they're doing everything. They're taking control of the capitalism of the world point of view because, yeah, they're that first generation. They're hungry. They want it and they're going to get it.
0: Oh, yeah. Like a perfect example is is, uh, in Canada, I think minimum wage now is around 15 or 17 dollars an hour for minimum wage. And Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I think minimum wage was like four bucks or five bucks or six bucks an hour. And the (laughs) problem is, is that it's a scale people. And, Like, I want everyone to live a good life. I really do want that. And I think that we need, you know, I'm from Canada. And Canada, uh, one of the things we're proud of is that we walk the, we feel like we walk the socialist capitalist line really well. That we're capitalistic, but we provide services for people in need. And I think that that's important. But you have to, you know, instead of forcing everyone to pay $15 an hour, Like that's just really pushing a lot of businesses to actually speed up this whole like over over uh, offshoring labor thing, because it's like I've Mm -hmm. hired people for tasks. So I had a martial arts school in Canada and I had college interns and I had high price of staff and I had low price staff. And I ended up building a team in the Philippines because I found out that the quality of work was kind of the same, whether I was paying $20 an hour, whether I had a free college intern that was there for a month or two, or whether I was paying three bucks an hour to someone in the Philippines, I still had to train them. It wasn't like they just came in and did Mm -hmm. it and worked magic. I still had to coach them and train them and build them up. And it was like, I want someone that can be here the long term. the college interns come and go. These other people are paying 20 bucks an hour and they just want to clock in, clock out. They don't really care. And by forcing me to pay a, a high minimum wage, it just was suffocating the business. So, It's not like, instead of encouraging people to become more skilled, it's like we're giving everyone participation awards, you know, instead of encouraging, creating a culture of competition and becoming the best you can be, we're like pacifying everybody and creating safety nets and acting like there aren't hard limits in the world and the reality is is there's hard limits in the world where like if the cheat is chasing after you it's going to get you like you need to run you know like you know because you said you slept (laughs) under a bridge like winter is coming and there's a lot of people that don't realize that one of my favorite quotes ever is every morning in africa a gazelle wakes up and it knows it must outrun the fastest line or it will be killed Every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up, and it knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle, or it will starve to death. The moral of the story is, it doesn't matter if you're a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. And that's like... Like, yeah. that's it. And that's what you're talking about. Like, Shenzhen, you go there, and the people are running. They are running every day. Yep. They are running. They don't have an option. They just they are hammering. Meanwhile, North America, we're like, you can't call me him. You have to call me her. Like, they're arguing about these things that are just, like, in some ways it is important. And I know if people are being discriminated against, it affects them a lot. But I just don't know if it's, like the oceans are turning to acid like we're, we're destroying the planet like diet like in the states like diabetes is cu- becoming an epidemic like you know one in five people are diabetic it's going to be one in three soon like we're not talking about the things that actually matter you know like and that's i think a huge problem because while we're talking yep. about nonsense everybody else is focused on what counts you know and the struggle and what's real and It's just a dangerous situation for us in the Western world, you know. I really think so. Yep. Not only that, but also the fact of of growth, population growth. Like, we're not replacing ourselves, so everything we're building is going to be taken over by other cultures because we're just going to disappear. Like, that's it. If you have 50 people and they make 25 couples, and they have one child each, that's 25 kids who then get together and make what? 12 couples, and they have one kid each. Now you have 12 kids who six kids like it's it's gone like boom
1: yep yep you know just finishing up up on all that like you said you know over here in, you know north america just the first world areas where we're at like we're so sensitive here and we're not willing to push through anything and everybody just feels that they deserve that you're just supposed to give it to them whereas in places like china india places like that you look at jack ma and this is one of my partner's favorite stories he told it to me a couple of times but jack ma you know one of the richest men in the world richest man in china he couldn't even get a job at kfc one point they wouldn't hire him because he was too ugly you know that's not something that happens in any of the first world countries over there they don't care you know if you don't yep. fit the bill you don't fit the bill yep. but he didn't let it hold it back he's like okay kfc doesn't want me i'll just become the richest man in china Mm. You know, he pushed through. He took an to opportunity and just ran with it. Yep. You know, he didn't let anything like that hold it back. Here, somebody gets told they're too ugly, they're too fat, they need to cut the hair. You know, they don't speak the proper language for the job. Whatever. We're going to have a breakdown, and yep. it's going to hit social media, and it's going to hit the news, and they're going to sue that place, and that place is going to shut down, and those people are going to go live in their mom's basement. You know, yeah, the staff are going to get laid off and, and yeah. using the sued money.
0: Yeah, yep. yeah. 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 Like the States has become so litigious. It's again, it's not, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's cancerous. It's just, it's, um, yep. it's really prohibitive. So, so, all right, let's talk about some yep. of the habits that are, are, are fundamental. We talked about like failing forward and just doing it, trying it. What are some other habits that are really critically important to achieving the success we want in business, health and life?
1: Right. So, For me, you know, the habits that matter the most is time blocking and scheduling. Um, Ah. With me having multiple businesses, real estate, a wife, four kids, and then I also do business consulting and I coach and mentor other individuals one-on-one, like my time's full, you know, so I had to figure out time and that's our most limited resource. You know, that's the most beautiful gift that God has given us. And every day we have less and less of it. So we need to figure out, you know, how to make it more valuable as we go on, which not getting into that right now. But so you got to look at it as that. you got to look at it as your most precious thing. And you gotta learn how to use it the most valuable way possible. So my thing has always been scheduling and time blocking and really just fitting that down to a science, you know, having your Google Calendar out or your Excel spreadsheet or whatever and block out the hours of the day and just know you're doing these things at these point. And when you're doing those things, you're focusing on that one task. The problem is, and you see this a lot again, like in America, you know, eighty percent of the work is done in 20 percent of the time you know the rest of the time people are sitting there at the office they're playing angry birds they're sending emails to each other you know they're talking about hey what's for lunch today like just wasting all this time so you see the amount of work they get done in such a little bit of time well imagine if they just went in focused Hit it hard in that amount of time where those companies could go where those jobs could go where their business could go so you have to figure that out and once you start time blocking and putting that together and you realize hey you know monday i'm going to come in i'm going to do the biggest tasks, the biggest hardest things that most people would push off not want to do i'm going to do those first things, knock them out you knock them out rest of your week set up for success You've got it all time blocked out. You can hit just little things you need to throughout the week. And then you start realizing, wow, even though I'm running four companies, you know, even though we're doing multiple millions of dollars a year and we're doing international calls and we're staying up till three in the morning and waking up at six in the morning, I have all this free time to start fitting in other things. Like in my family, you know, we go paddle boarding. Me and my kids work out together. Mm. We're in jujitsu. Like we do all these extra things. Like my kids, I put them to bed every night. I eat dinner with my wife and my kids every night. That's Most business awesome. owners in my world, they, they see their kids one day a week. Yeah. You know? Which is just a and shame. that's because they're not properly taking care of their schedule. They're not properly managing themselves. Andy Frisella, he's a big, big proponent of it. That guy does hundred plus million dollars a year. Huge company. And you listen to him talk about his schedule and his employee's schedules because he even does the same thing with his employees. Get in, get your crap done. Go ahead, get out. Go have fun. I don't care, you know. He doesn't want you there 40 hours a week. He wants you to get the work done and that's it. It doesn't have to be a a 40-hour-a-week thing. Get in and do it. Yeah, that's actually one of the things that helped FedEx become
0: the leader is they realized that people were just hanging out and like, you know, Staying for the shift, so they changed it so that way. Hey, this is what you're going to make this shift. If you can get it done early, you can go home as soon as you want, as long as the work is done. And it was right. like suddenly days, everything just became way more efficient. And so they changed their incentivize uh, the way they incentivized employees, and it improved efficiency like a hundredfold. I mean, that's I'm exaggerating. I don't know the exact percentage, but that was a major factor in how FedEx became this whole like anywhere over you know anywhere in the world overnight was after they figured that out that they were incentivizing people wrong. Mm-hmm. They're really just paying for the result. They're not paying because they don't care if you're there all day, every day. They just want the result. And so I think that's something for people to think, like, get more in the results-based business. Even in what you're selling, don't sell dollars for hours. Sell results. You know, you get the oil change in your car. You pay 60 bucks for that. It takes them 15 minutes to do, right, to change the oil in your car. And half Mm -hmm. of that time is just letting the old oil drain out right? Like they put it, put it in the hoist, <laughs> right. hoist it up, they pull the plug and then they walk away and let it drain into the bucket. And then they just dumped it in and then boom, there's their 60 bucks. And so get into the business of selling results, not trading dollars for hours because dollars for hours, mm-hmm. you've just got, only got so many, so much time in your life, but results, you know, you can find ways to do result, get results faster, either by getting better at it, by building a team to help you do it, by building software, automation, machinery, there's a lot of ways to leverage that. So get into the business of results. That's a great yep. one.
1: Yeah, Um, results are solving problems.
0: Yes. So time blocking and scheduling, just do it, try, fail forward, keep moving forward. Any other habits that you
1: think are really essential? Oh, man. You know, the other thing, I don't know if you, yeah, I I guess you would consider it a habit, but always be learning, too. Always be listening Mm. and not hearing, listening. You know, always learning and listening. Like, that was the big thing that finally exploded myself up. I mean, that first business, that marijuana shop, I made so many bad choices in that business, so many bad choices. Like, we could have been way bigger. We could have been set up way better. But I didn't know. You know, Uh I didn't have parents. I didn't have mentors. I didn't have successful people to look at. Finally, you know... I started finding mentors, started finding coaches, started taking part in programs and groups and things like that, started listening to people, taking in podcasts, reading books, you know, listening to interviews like uh, Tom Bill Impact Theory, you know, just things like that, and just always taking in wisdom mm. from people who have done it and just hear, you know, listening to that, applying it and just constantly learning. Now I didn't learn anything in high school, man. I mm-hmm. that that was all just learning how to take tests. Mm-hmm. You know? Now I'm learning things, you know, studying everyone, constantly seeing mm-hmm. what are they doing? What's the trend, you know? What's his business got that my business doesn't have? Yep. You no, know, just always looking for those things.
0: Yep, yep. And I, you know, you made a really good point there because There's no secrets really in the business world. I mean, there might be, you can't build a house by looking at a house from the outside. If you tried to rebuild a house or a car just by looking at it from the outside, you're going to come up with a ton of problems. However, you know, Mm -hmm. you can find one of the most important things in business, any business, is their process for attracting, generating, attracting potential customers and converting those customers to sales, you know, and that is public domain like you can you can go to a company's website and see what they're offering forget you know you can call them and see here what the script is you can check a look at what people are sending you in the mail you can buy the product and see what they offer you afterwards all that stuff is super transparent, especially if it's an online business. There are tools now that you can take a look and you can see what a company's best performing ad is, how long that ad's been running, where they're putting that ad to get yep. customers from. I mean, it's so transparent. And again, it was a similar thing back in the day when it was direct mail. You could you could use different names at different places to see who's mailing what. You know, it's called seeding a list. You might use, uh, I had a friend who used his dog's name and his cat's name and this name to see where, like, who was selling his information to who so it's like oh i signed up for this like he you know i think his newspaper subscription he signed up for his dog so he could say see who is the newspaper selling his info to that's selling him promotions right like where are these people going and what promotions are they getting and i mean there's just a ton of way to get and that's all public domain there's there's no magic room
1: it's just figuring it out yeah and working it's so much easier nowadays like in the business world nowadays, people have it so good because you said there's programs, there's ways you can look at things, you can check the back of the analytics, there's websites that already have it done for you. Back when I first started business, both in the weed shop and in the cell phone stores, and we would go to competitors' places, we would call them, we would send employees in, like we would out things like crazy and just do all that corporate espionage and a lot of people don't do that stuff and it's so important to do so important to figure out see what's going on you know somebody hey you know you notice people are talking about this other place in town well gosh why are they talking about them i need to figure that out you know go see what's going on go figure it out you know somebody's doing some big things in your space and what you do nowadays yeah you have the access google them facebook them instagram you know twitter them Go on these websites, check out what they're doing, figure out their analytics and everything of what's going on. Like, call them, you know, see what their customer service is like. Like, you can figure out everything and duplicate it or make it better.
0: Yep. And you can even go to sites like archive.org, put in a website domain, and you can look over the years how they've changed their website. I did this recently for an offer. Oh, wow. uh, For actually my my wife's business. She's getting into some of the self-publishing space, helping authors with their free plus shipping books. and and also creating companion courses to go with the book. And we took a look at a bunch of these people, and I could see one of the competitors, how the last four years they've edited their website. And I could see what they originally started promoting, and then I could just see, you know, like, and I can take a look at their traffic spikes too, using some of these tools, how their traffic, their organic traffic or paid traffic has been over the years. And now I can overlay the traffic that they've been getting with the changes that they made for their website to see like what was working better. Oh, look at this spike. Hey, that's when they were promoting this offer. And we can actually get to the, the, the buy buttons that they've had to figure out over years. And now we just, boom, we just, mm-hmm. we start where they are right now, not where they were before.
1: Oh man.
0: You know, it's just so competitive. Uh, it's
1: such a beautiful time. Oh That's yeah. a beautiful time to be alive. It's oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: now let me ask you this now. So, well, what are some of the – oh, actually, I wanted to ask about this. You mentioned this before, and and I think this is important. I originally left Canada because I could tell Canada was going towards legalizing marijuana because it's just everywhere. And I don't have any issue with marijuana. I grew up with it in the household. My dad was a hippie, all that stuff. But I felt for me that it was a problem because I couldn't get away from it. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about time blocking and scheduling, it affected my ability to effectively manage my time and be productive. I wanted to ask about that right. as someone who was in the industry yourself and you even mentioned before you had an issue with drugs. What's how do you like if anyone out there is right. struggling with substance abuse, like what do you what do they do?
1: So oh okay. Well, so let me hit this in two parts. So the first part, like going into the marijuana service, so I actually hate marijuana. I don't like it when I was in high school, you know, I'd get high and stuff. It kept made me cool, you know, got me chicks, like all that stuff. So, you know, my dad was a dealer. So I'd steal pot from him at 11 years old. I was the most popular kid in the local high school, right. you know, like, cause everyone knew that I had drugs and my friends, his older brothers all knew me. So I became very popular at a very young age, but, I found other drugs and I realized, you know, pot's cool, but it just makes you lazy and stare at things and giggle. I wanted to go through fields on adventures chasing dragons and fairies and stuff. So I started getting into the really hard stuff. But, you know, once I turned 20 and it just, there was a lot of stuff that happened and we can get into a different time or whatever. But, I finally, you know, started pulling my head out of my butt in 21s when I went completely sober finally. And I've been sober 14 years now, clean from everything. Um, So going into the marijuana business, I don't know if you ever saw the old uh, TV show Cheers back in the day, right? So Sam Malone, the guy running the bar, like he was an ex-alcoholic, but he still worked around himself. It was kind of the same thing for me. Like I was around Mm -hmm. all these guys and it actually... As I was becoming entrepreneurial, it solidified me never wanting to do any of that stuff again because I was watching all my friends and everybody around me still do the same stupid things over and over and over again. And I was getting out of that. I was clear. I was starting to make moves. My life was changing, you know. And still to this day, sadly, like I have friends that, you know, 34, 35, 36 years old, They're bouncing between friends' couches, you know? Mm -hmm. They're still talking about the next video game. out, And I love video games. I'm a video game collector, so don't get me wrong. Like, I think it's cool to have that fun and stuff, but that can't be your life.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So
1: I see that, and that keeps me from it. Now, as for people that are dealing with it and struggling with it, you know, you just, you got to look down deep, and you got to look at who you are at that moment in the mirror, and then you got to imagine the person that you want to be. And if they're not the same person, you need to do one of two things, you know. You need to just accept that you're never going to be that person and just die. Mm -hmm. Or you need to kill the person you are today and do everything you can to become that person. Mm. I don't believe in once an addict, always an addict. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. I think that's the wrong mindset. I hate the fact that AA teaches that, even though AA helps a lot of people. So I don't want to discount that too much. But, I think AA helps you know.
0: people just through sheer, like, effort. Like, if you try to help 30 people, you'll have three that gets results, even if your method is terrible. Right. You know? Sorry, right. I just want to say that because See, I, I'm with you no, on No, sure.
1: yeah. for sure. For sure. Because, yeah, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not a recovering drug addict. That was the old dude. That dude's dead, mm-hmm. you know? I, I don't care about oxies anymore. You know? I don't care about XC anymore. I care about money. Mm-hmm. I care about ROI. I care about ROT. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. you just have to change, you know? You just have to make the decision. Am I where I want to be? Yep. No? Well, then whatever you did yesterday, you need <laughs> to not ever do again. Yeah. You need to do something different today so tomorrow you are who you want to be. Yep. And yep. if you can't do that, then you might as well just roll up and die. Like what's the point of going on?
0: Yep, yeah. I think that's really important. And I mean
1: that's that's kind of hard to say, but
0: no, I think it's it's just it's the truth. I think it's about, again, it's having an important why, and it's about who you surround yourself with and the environment that you're in. Like, again, that's I went, I left Canada and went to the Philippines because I was like, I need to leave here because where I was and the city I was in and the people I was around, even if I didn't, I was still going to get invited to go to barbecues and stuff and, you know, want to go hang out with friends and, you yep. know, all that. And it was just too easy. It was too accessible, too everywhere. And it was only pot, right? Like, it's not like a big deal, but I just, it, it wasn't. The problem with me is that you know if i'm going 90 miles an hour or 100 miles an hour you do that now all of a sudden i'm going 60 like that's the whole everybody jokes right like when you smoke weed you think you're going so fast but you're Mm -hmm. really going half the speed you were and that happens in life as well and you just like how long can you put along without being overrun by other people your competitors and just having timelines oh i'm going to achieve this in three months all of a sudden oh i'm going to achieve that in six months well i'll achieve it by the ninth month like how many times can that happen till you're like this is ridiculous and so i think it's environment yeah you yeah, environment, for, for like, network, and, you, like, your why. Like, what's what's motivating? What's driving you? And even age. I think at some point you just get too old for that shit. Like, like you know, like you mm-hmm. said, like, you want to be 36 couch surfing? Like, for real? You know, like, that's, right. that's your goal right. in life? So, yep. good point. Good point.
1: Yeah, it's got to change at some point.
0: So, all right, now, with your career, clients, your coaching clients, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see them
1: making? Oh, some of the biggest mistakes I see them making um you know, a lot of what a lot of people run into is how do I say this right way, not dreaming too big, but expecting too much too soon mm. and then getting, you know, depressed about it. Again, the entrepreneurial journey is a journey. Like you, it's hard nowadays because you see things like Facebook or something, and you're like, "Oh, man, company just comes out of nowhere and it explodes. you know, Twitter, things like that, fine, where they just come out and they make all this huge money and explode, and then all of a sudden you've got this young kid that's a billionaire. right. but it's not it's not like that. One, I mean, Facebook, things like that. Like, There's a lot of stuff in the background, again, underneath the iceberg that we don't see and all the things that went through it and the amount of people that had to come together to actually make it happen and and just the amount of money and the resources and everything else. But the entrepreneur journey, it's a journey. It's a journey of self-discovery. It's a journey of creation. It's a journey of learning. It's a journey of growing through mistakes and stuff. And a lot of people just don't get that. And that's why... You know, a majority of businesses fail the first year and then a majority of the ones that didn't fail the next year because once things get hard, people break down. Once people realize they're not where they want to be yet, they break down, they mm-hmm. fail, they mm-hmm. give up. And I, I see that a lot in people, um, you know, in their marriages even, where they're just not there. And in the culture we're in now, they just want to give up. They just want to quit trying. Now, there is a point in time where you do have to look and go, okay, is this business model right? Is this product right? You know, there is the honest part for that. But so many people, it's not. They just come in, they get fired, they start going, and then they're like, oh, I'm not a millionaire yet. Yeah, no, oh, man, what am I doing work? wrong? And then they, yeah, and they just start eating into themselves and you've even seen people that are successful they've been doing their business for 10 years and it's a successful business but it's still not where they thought they should be in 10 years and then they start going through that same thing too where they start over analyzing themselves and they go oh man i'm a failure why isn't this working why am i doing things right when they're just not understanding like you have to set the realistic goals yeah it's okay to want grant cardone's jet you know you want a jet someday that's fine but again you have to learn how to make 50 million first. And before that, you have to learn to make a million. You have to make a hundred thousand. You have to go through the steps. You have to lose a million dollars sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay. These things are okay. You have to go through the journey. Don't give up. Don't tear yourself down over it. You no, know, push through. Hmm. So
0: I think it kind of comes back again to being, being, a soldier for the process for the journey being being committed to that and knowing you'll get to the destination mm-hmm. somewhere and keeping your eye don't be like whatever i'll get there whenever like push to get there as soon as you can i guess be patiently impatient mm-hmm. be patiently yep. impatient Oh, i like that yep. you know patiently impatient drive towards it but know and be okay with ups and downs and you know and enjoy the journey itself i think that's a really yep. really powerful one yeah, June, this has been such a great interview. You've given so much value. There's so much that you've shared here. People may want to listen to this a couple of times, make sure they got all the lessons. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you?
1: Um, you know, you sh- should have asked me about my amazing book that's on Amazon right now, The Freedom Blueprint. Right. <laughs> no, that's fine.
0: I toss that out there like that. No, that's okay. Um, I think that's a fantastic segue because if anyone's loved your message, you outline a lot of your methodology and how to accomplish these goals in your book, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Our book, the book that we put together was, you know, for someone who was like me, they didn't have the mentors, they didn't have the coaches, they didn't have the direction. So it was kind of written as a actual guide and written in an actual guide form to walk them through, you know, changing their mindset changing their circle, understanding what wealth is, and then how to start investing in things, whether it's real estate, stocks, starting a business, and then how to protect it, you know, figure out how to do like a proper whole life policy, how to create infinite banking, things like that. So giving good Actual advice in a book instead of just a story of like, oh, here's how I got successful, you know, be encouraged. Like, I wanted to give actual something that they could take, read, and apply. Mm,
0: mm, mm. And so now, where do they go to get that? They go to Amazon
1: or they go to your website and. Yep, go to Amazon. It's the best spot for it right now. We're in the middle of getting it on iTunes and in Barnes & Noble right now, but currently we are on Amazon, and just look up Jude Mendoza, the Freedom Blueprint, and it is there.
0: Awesome. So that's Jude, J-U-D-E-M-E-N-D-O-N-S-A, the Freedom Blueprint. Once Perfect. Jude, J-U-D-E-M-E-N-D-O-N-S-A. You can also check out J-U-D-E m-e-n-d-o-n-s-a dot com jude mendonza uh check out his website go buy the book on amazon Uh, jude thank you so much for sharing today i know you've got family friends businesses you could be running thank you for coming and sharing with my audience so we can all hopefully do a little bit better appreciate you man and look forward to catching up soon
1: yeah i appreciate you thank you for having me on and giving me the opportunity to serve you've reached the end of our interview
0: Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website,